Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast. I'm Meg Griffin, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? Good. I'm glad to be back. It's been like a little hiatus for us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know I just completely changed the intro on that because I'm sitting here going <laughs> like, that's not as many words as I normally say. <laughs> but how's the move gone for you? The move went great. Well, okay. The move itself was not super smooth with like movers not showing up on the day of the move and then them almost losing parts to my bed. Oh. Not the screws, the headboard and the footboard. Those aren't little things. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I like, there were a couple times where like, because of what happened on what was supposed to be moving day with them not coming or not being able to come because I don't believe the story that someone got hurt Sure. with all the reviews that I then read about this company. Um, but we were their first job the next day. Okay. They showed up like 730. <laughs> like they were there very early. Um, they finished my, I mean, my apartment was ready to go, but like everything was out except for my couch in like 45 minutes That's with awesome. these three guys. That's awesome. Yes. Now I am on the first, I was on the first floor. Mm-hmm. So that was also super easy. Um, but when he afterwards, like the, the main guy, like the leader of the group asked, is this the, can you confirm if this is the address we're going to? And it was the current apartment. I'm like, that's the final stop, but you still have to go to George's house yeah. to, to take his stuff. The office had not told them that there was a second stop. Oh no. So I saw the notes and the person who wrote them forgot a very key word. They forgot the word location because it said something like mostly boxes at second dresser and bookcases. Oh no. Second location. location. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sure those so guys they went. were not happy, but also... They went to Georgia's, got his stuff, moved us here. I was up here, um, and George was down with the truck just as they were doing stuff, just because we didn't want to leave it unattended. Um, And I hear the main guy ask the guy who's been upstairs the whole time, or moving stuff really from the elevator into the apartment, where the pieces to the bed are. And I'm like, oh my God, they lost the fucking screws. I knew it. Like, that was what I was thinking. And then to come to find out it was the headboard and the footboard that they couldn't find. (laughs) I was just like, how do you lose them? So the truck was on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. My apartment is on the fifth floor. They found the headboard and the footboard and a table, my little Harry Potter table my sister made for me, on the second floor. So how have you been for the last few weeks? Crazy, but good. Good between work and personal stuff. It's it's definitely been crazy. I definitely... uh, hidden books quite a bit because I Mm -hmm. uh, was just looking at my June reading list and it's crazy. Um, But I am glad it's July and everything has kind of calmed down Um, and and looking forward to getting back into it for sure. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, We know you moved, but did you have time to read (laughs) anything during the break? So I had said last time I was going to read Malibu Rising Mm -hmm. And then finish my audiobook of Layer of Dreams and start uh, Before the Devil Breaks yes. You for, of the Diviner series. I did not touch that physical book. Malibu Rising is just on the bookshelf. Didn't touch Hold that. But I did finish both of those. So I, I and started the last one of the Diviner series. Oh, good. Which I'm just like, oh, my God. I wasn't sure if you had gotten real. Yeah. I wasn't sure <laughs> if you had started the last yeah. one. Um, started. I'm not super far into totally it. Good. Um, but basically I did a lot of packing to layer of dreams and, uh, before the devil breaks you. That's so. awesome. I think it's good packing yeah. stuff for sure. Yeah. It was just every now and then it was just like, I got to pause for a second and like really focus <laughs> because something bad is about to happen. Yes. I think. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, the third one is yeah. definitely more mm-hmm. action than the second. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping at some point our Divider Boys can give us a little bit more about that. That was a lot of fun to listen yeah. to. I definitely need another two more episodes of the Diviners, guys. And then let's see if we can come up with some more spinoffs for them to do. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um. I finished Survive the Night, which is actually okay. officially out. Nice. Uh, it came out at the end of June. It was also a book of the month book, well, one of the extra yes. ones. Uh, and then I had to stop myself from from buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. It's uh, if you like movies, I think it's a lot of fun. It's about a girl okay. who is going home after her college roommate dies, murder is murdered, mm. and. Um, she like puts on a share ride board like hey i need a ride to i think mm-hmm. it's ohio and uh random guy picks it up they agree and it ha- it's like um a night in november of 1991 cuz it actually takes place on the day that my sister was born and um, oh I remember starting it and sending a picture of it <laughs> and um Riley Sager is really really good at twists mm-hmm. like mm. The the question is, as she's writing, she's like, I don't really know who this guy is. And, like, is he the guy that murdered her roommate? Oh, God. And, yeah. And, like, you think you've got it figured out? And there's and at least don't? two twists that I didn't see coming. And, um, but, yeah, she kind of, like, her ability to cope is to live everything through movies, kind of, or... Oh, okay. And so there's a lot of, like, I don't know what's real because of hallucinations. And, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of fun. Really recommend his book still to this day. That's uh, going to go on my to-be-read list. That yeah. sounds like a really good recommendation. It is. It is. Like, especially um, because we're really feeling the 90s horror stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it works a lot better. Again, really loved his last book. There's only been one that I didn't hundred percent love, but I still really loved it. Okay. Um, but this one, the last one had supernatural elements and I don't love when he plays with that as much, but this one, is it a serial killer or not? Okay. It's so much fun. All right. So yeah. And they put it in 1991. Yeah. So, you know, the whole like cell phones. Because I yep. spend a lot of time being like, just pick up your cell phone. There is no cell phone, but pick up your cell phone. <laughs> <sighs> Every day, I'm like, we should just read horror for 2022. Like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but for 2021, we are still going through Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, mm-hmm. this time was a food memoir by a person of color. So we read... L.A. Sun, My Life, My City, My Food by Rory Choi. And this was your suggestion. Did you already own this book? I did. I discovered Roy through the Chef show. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, did I watch? I think I watched the Chef movie. No. Did I start the Chef show first? I I I can't remember if I started. I think I did. (laughs) And then eventually watched the movie. Um, that John Favreau, um, where he plays a chef, basically he went to Roy and Roy was basically teaching him like how to hold your knife, like basics and stuff to like really be able to portray a chef. Yeah. 
Because, like, it's one of those things where if you're in that profession and you're watching a movie, you can totally tell when something doesn't make sense or something is wrong. Um, It's kind of like my biggest hang-up is... Do you remember that movie, The Loft? I think it was called, like, James Marsden, three other guys. They rent a loft so they can cheat on their wives and the woman dies. And one of the guys, his wife goes to him to give her her insulin shot because she's diabetic. And I was just like, oh, so she'd be dead in real life because mm-hmm. you can't rely on someone else. Yeah. You need to have to your own insulin your fucking stuff. insulin. Yeah. Yeah. My stepmom is diabetic. And the amount of times that she has to has had to like prick herself yes. or now she has like the pump. But to check her to check her check her blood sugar levels and then give herself insulin. There's like, how do you rely on someone else? You can't. Exactly. You can't. I agree. So I think there was also some, like in Always Be My Maybe. I feel like he gave his dad something. His shot. Yes. And but at the end, remember his dad's like, "I don't need you to do this." Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like my dad has to get uh, a shot for something, and I I don't remember what it is. But when my sister was training to be a nurse, she mm-hmm. gave him a shot for a while, yeah. even though he was. I think my stepmother had to do it for him because my dad is terrified of needles, and I don't know mm-hmm. the situation anymore. But I do mm-hmm. remember hearing about my sister giving it to him. And, okay. Uh, and, yeah, no, like, <laughs> I was on blood thinners uh, in my early 20s because uh, I had a blood clot after my car accident. And I would nearly pass out any time um, mm. I got one of the shots. I had to be on shots, mm-hmm. like, at different points and, and took a pill in between, which was the worst. And my mother, I just remember her at one point being like, what if I died tomorrow? Because I couldn't do it to mm. myself. Like, I like mm-hmm. I had panic attacks with someone else giving it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd ask Caitlin or Mike <laughs> or oh. someone <laughs> else to do it. And she's like, that's not the answer exactly, I was trying exactly. to drive at. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know what I would yeah. do if my life was dependent on a sh- I mean, I, I do know that eventually I'd get over it and fucking you, do it. Right. But you'd, you'd adapt. Yeah. 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 That's like my little like pet peeve. No, so I get it. I feel like for chefs, that's probably a pet peeve is like, you're not holding your knife right. This is not how you do this. This is not how you do it. Would do X. So he helped train John Favreau. And then they did the chef show, which was where we got to actually see them cook together. They went and met other chefs at their restaurants. Yeah. Um, Cooked for people. They talked more. Yeah. It was, I loved that show. It was like, just like a good feel, and like, cause I'll, the other thing that I love is John Favreau. I know him from movies. Mm-hmm. I know he's an actor, director. Like, I know that he's from movies, um, but he clearly wanted to do a good job. But like, there's definitely still a pride that he has in having his own knife roll, and like when he cuts stuff up or does certain things, he'll be like, "Look, Roy, like, look, look, I'm doing yeah. it." Like, he wants to like show his teacher, his original teacher, that he knows what he's doing or he's learning. And I just love that. It's like this pure, genuine joy. Yes, <laughs> and this pure genuine desire to like do a good job um and also like so that's when there are other chefs and stuff like roy's very quick to be like that's not right that's not right because the other ones are like well it's close enough and he's like no right yes but john will also tell them that too like no no, you gotta tell me you have to tell me because i like he wants to do a good job yes and just like the appreciation that they have for the food that they're working with like oh there's one time i can't remember was it um, oh my god, what's his name? Star Wars. They go to his, like, ranch. Um, George Lucas. Yes. <laughs> Good lord. Um, and they basically don't really go with preconceived ideas of what they're gonna cook. It's like, well, what is this farm? Like, what is available? Like, what 
beautiful food is there that we can use to create dishes. Um, so I just love that. So that's how I like discovered Roy Choi and saw that he had this and I was like, I need this. Yes. I need this in my life. I need to read this. Um, cause I knew it was about his life and then also that there were going to be recipes and I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. I didn't realize it was both memoirs and recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love this book. I'm, I'm going to go okay. ahead and say that because the, as a cookbook, it's great as a memoir. Mm-hmm. It partly reminds me of those food blog websites mm. and that it feels very superficial in a lot of mm. ways. Like he's talking about a lot of serious stuff, but it still feels very like surface level. There were definitely some parts where I was like, I feel like we could dig deeper yes. here. And maybe if there weren't recipes, yes, there would have been Jesus Christ. You're sorry. fine. <laughs> the like the space to do that. My phone's buzzing. Um, like the, 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 the word space yeah, or word count to do that. But I also could see if it was a case of him being like, here are my memoirs and people being like, this isn't enough. Why don't we throw mm. recipes? But everything kind of, he tries to relate everything to food as much as possible. And part of me just wanted to be like, you did, I get why you're doing that, but also, some of this feels forced. I do also wonder if it's a privacy thing. Like he, and the True. dedication is to his wife and daughter, who he says in the dedication, I don't talk a lot about them in this book because those memories are ours. Right. So I do wonder if there's certain That's things fair. that he chose not to dive into more than what he gave us for privacy. Like one example would be his parents yeah. and their drinking. Yeah. Or stealing. There jewels. was. Yeah. But there was talk of, like, them drinking, and they might hit him. And then at one point, there's a mention of them being, like, going deep into alcoholism. Yeah. But then, like... It's never discussed. We don't... Yeah, we don't really hear yeah. how that goes. Like, if, if... Yeah. If they seek treatment, or if they've, like, overcome that, or if they're dealing with it. And I just... I do wonder if that's more, like, maybe a privacy thing. Yeah. But then, even that, I do always wonder sometimes... Like, whenever I read something like this, where someone's talking about, like their parents' struggles with drinking right. or someone else's struggles with drugs, alcohol, whatever. I'm always curious, like, did you clear this with them? Yeah, there's a lot, in, especially in the first part, that I was like, um, are your parents alive? Because a lot of what you're saying I don't think necessarily has a clock on when the, like, I don't want your parents to go to jail for your cookbook. Yeah, like... Or you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was 12 at the time Still, of yeah. some of that. Which is fucking yes. mind-blowing. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I wanted to like it, and I do love Roy Choi. My first experience mm. of him was on Top Chef, and then I've mm. also watched the Chef show. I haven't finished it. And I do think that, like, just having a cookbook, or, like, having a cookbook related to a show where he cooked things and maybe talked about it mm-hmm. would have been better. Like him making some of these dishes while he explained some of the stuff that he went through. Mm. That surface level would have way to do it. made more sense, I think. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like I didn't read the dedication. That makes more sense. Cause I know at one point I was like, he's now fucking married and there was no mm-hmm. discussion of him meeting his wife. And right. I get that. Yeah. But also it was like, 
by that point, I was like, I don't have a sense of who you are. I do also wonder if it's also the thing of, like, he gives us a little bit of what he's gone through with his, um, trying, like, delving into drugs, Mm -hmm. gambling addiction. Um, We learn that. I wonder if it's also specifically for his wife and daughter, not discussing them of like the thing of protecting those things that he finds that give him the greatest joy or great joy, you know, in his life, like just trying to protect those things and not wanting, like he's okay with sharing like the demons like that he's dealt with or whatever you want to call it. Um, But just keeping those things like sacred. Yeah. Maybe. I always feel like, or at least everything, I, I didn't know a ton about him before reading this, but mm-hmm. I do feel like his vibe has always been, I am very fortunate to be a chef. I should be dead. In mm-hmm. another multiverse, I'm dead. But yep. in this one, I made it work. Yep. And like... Cooking saved him. Yeah. Emerald saved him. He credits cooking and yes. Emerald to like... Yes. Yeah. Which I think is actually in an episode of Top Chef, where he says that too. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think he tells Emerald. Yeah, like, actually specifically tells yeah. Emerald. Um, and then, like, I, I know he does stuff for, for kids and, you know, really gives back to the community. But, yeah, you're right. Like, especially the discussion of his parents suddenly doing better or doing financially better. But there's a line where it's like, but the alcoholism got worse. And then it's all about yeah. him being in a gang. And then the next time we kind of get his parents, like, enough of his parents is, like, that his mom keeps leaving food out for him even though he never comes mm-hmm. over. And I'm, like, I appreciate that. And and the vibe I get is that, like, maybe you've forgiven your parents or, like, the mm-hmm. good and the bad have out, like, mm-hmm. balanced in your head and everything. Which, like, that's totally great. I'm glad. But also, are your parents okay? And his sister. Yeah. We don't get anything of his sister except that she was born. We don't. I believe her name means Silver Gardens yes. is the hint that I got from that part about the restaurant yes. that they open and that um, he would pick her up from school or daycare and when they had the restaurant and bring her to the restaurant. That was like, yeah. It. And she played harp, which again. Oh, yes. Played the harp. He but like sold her that harp, could, again. But yeah, exactly. Maybe a privacy thing. Maybe he promised her he wouldn't go yeah. into their relationship. Maybe they don't maybe have a relationship. But it's too hard to write about. No idea. Yeah. But I was kind of expecting a little more on that front when you think memoir. Yeah, it's it. I hate saying it because this came out in 2013. So it's not like it just came out this past year or anything. But it reads like the height of the um, food blogs. And if he didn't have the name, I don't know how well this would have done. So. Where there definitely like was a couple points where I'm just like what recipes are in this chapter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Kind of vibe. So, um, I didn't hate it. I'm now a little hesitant because I have Ed, uh, Edward Lee's, uh, Oh really? Uh, memoirs. I don't know if it's also okay. a cookbook too or not. Um, and especially I just binged most of season, top chef season 18 and to mm-hmm. look at him. Oh, he was what season, season nine. Cause he's in that terrible season. And to see how much he actually has matured from 9 to mm-hmm. 18 um, was really cool. So I'm almost caught up. <clears throat> we're at, we're, are we in 16? I think we're in 16. Like oh we are almost next You're time, basically next time it airs. 
Yes, we're in Kentucky. Awesome. The next time it airs, we're going to be able to catch it from day one, and we are going to. We're very excited. It's... And we also, like, have goals to go to Aspen Food and Wine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I really, really enjoy I didn't get to finish 18. My mother has Hulu Live, and I was dog sitting okay. for her. Um, I think I had three episodes left. The mm-hmm. finale just aired this past Thursday. Yes. And I'm so bummed because it immediately it, it aired and then like I got a notification because Google sends me like Oh no. That oh, was no. well, I, I don't I'm fine being spoiled. Um, okay. I don't want to I'm know. not gonna tell I don't you, but spoiled. there was all like this season was so geared to be a feel good season. It is a great vibe. These people help each other out multiple times. There are moments throughout where the judges are just like, um, you guys remember you're in a competition, right? Like, <laughs> they just helped her plead her stuff. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And so it is this entire, there's not really a villain, though there is an asshole. But even if he's not necessarily villainous. And then a controversy came out about one of the top three. Okay, so I saw Padma, because I follow yes. her on Instagram and Twitter, and she either tweeted or Instagram, I can't remember, a statement about yes. that. I, and I was like, oh, God, this has got to be in relation to someone who was in the finale. Yes. Because I can't, I couldn't imagine how it would apply otherwise. And I don't remember the person's That's okay. name, even though I believe I her statement said so-and-so. Yeah. Um, there was nothing reported on set about so-and-so's behavior. Yeah, from what I understand, yeah, nothing happened on set. Which, like, the person, up until this point that I had seen that, mm-hmm. I loved. Like, absolutely oh, no. loved this character. Like, he... Everything about it. So this is and so not like when I was watching and was very excited that what was his name Mike? Yeah, no, Mike was gonna um, Isabella, who's yes, yeah. who loses to Blaze and the All Stars yes. and that I like I feel like you told me he was gonna, oh, that he awful. loses his yeah. whole empire and I was like I'm yeah. just gonna relish in that because fuck yeah. this guy and it's not the first Top Chef they've had that's turned around and been a terrible person so like mm-hmm. cool but also man it just finding that out is hard like Damn. there is a high percentage of hispanic people there's the first um i think the first person from costa rica um hmm. but there's at least four people that speak spanish fluently because mm-hmm. when they're around each other that's all they speak and oh, it wow. made me wonder if in the past the producers have been like no don't do that or something like that mm. it just has such a much more family vibe <laughs> rather than a You know, thinking back, I'm wondering if there were enough people for them to do it in past seasons. That's like speaking true too. a different, you That's know, a different too. language. So, I don't know. um, yeah, I got a lot of thoughts and, uh, oh, yeah. Man. Oh <laughs> man. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Roy Choi's life. Yeah. Um, so we get from, he starts even with his parents, which was cool. Mm-hmm. His parents both grew up a bit in America or moved. Uh, I'm sorry. They moved they in moved Korea. To, yeah. Then like we're both going to go to college or, you know, do mm-hmm. post high school stuff essentially in America. Neither of them did what they wanted, but ended up meeting, falling in love and moving back to Korea. Yeah. And I love the description of both of his parents. Like his mother, like he gives off this image of a very Jackie O Korean woman. Yep. Badass yes. is what his mom, especially as we go further yes. in, like she just sounds like a total badass. Yes. She is who you need on your Ocean's Eleven team. Yes, hundred percent. And then he, 
very much seems like a uh, chip off the block with his dad. Mm -hmm. Because his dad was bullied, became a tough-ass, very intelligent man. They expected Mm -hmm. him to do so many wonderful things. Yeah. And he was sent to go get his PhD, and he never finished. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I did find it interesting that they moved, that they they met here, but then they moved back. But then, with how difficult things were, so they moved back to Korea in... 69 Rory was born in 70 and then 72 they went right back to LA um which yeah like I I get that like maybe wanting to be around family or like familial obligations and stuff but um they had a better chance at a better life by moving back to LA Korea was not a great place to be at the time yeah the uh the thing that I loved uh, when he's talking about that is how they moved to L.A., Koreatown. It's like the second largest population of Koreans, mm-hmm. Koreans outside of, like, um, is it the capital of South Korea? Seoul. That, yeah. Seoul, yeah. Um, but that it's like as many people as there are there, this sense of community that they have because they would basically do like sort of like a monthly pot of money yeah. that would go to one family and then they would open up their business or start their business or whatever. And then the next month it's a different family. And like the person who's now successful in their business, what they give to the pot is now bigger yes. because they can afford it. Like that's tax the rich type of thing <laughs> that they're actually doing to like better their community so that people can actually come here and like Thrive. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It was so cool to read that. Yes, I loved that. Um, when it is his family's month, uh, they open a liquor store, and it is the cleanest liquor store. It is beautiful. They had so much pride in it. Yep. We don't really figure out why the liquor store closes. I assume it just didn't right. do a ton of business or something, but yeah. as where other businesses failed, it just he just kind of mentions that they decided to leave that business. Right. And so it closes when he was five. And then they, that's their first foray into jewelry. And mm-hmm. he's not really involved. But then, like, he's a latchkey kid with a key on a necklace. And he'll walk all around town and ride his bike. And I'm just like, between the ages of five and seven? What? Yeah. Like, both of us grew up in essentially a suburbia. I can picture that kind of. But also, I couldn't go past the stop sign on the corner. No, I was more in in this in Spring Springfield's more of a city, okay. but I was like not in like the downtown area. I wasn't a very busy intersection, so I was pretty much allowed to play in the backyard. Fair. <laughs> um, and like all my classmates didn't live near me; they all lived like farther away. But so I couldn't actually like if it was like a play date type of thing right. or like a pool party, it was planned. Um, but yeah, no, the idea of like being able to walk by. I remember when I was. How old would I have been? There was across the street. I lived across the street from the high school. Uh-huh. And then next to that, there was the the gas station. Like across from there, there was a gas station. And at a, so I had to cross two streets, but there were crosswalks at both because it was a very busy intersection. At a certain age, my mom did let me start walking over there by myself. But I feel like I was like 12. Yeah. And my dad was not here for that. Okay. <laughs> and that was at like 11 or 12, I think, to like to go get gum right. or whatever. And he did not like that. And it was more like you could get hit by a car. Um, but seven, forget no. it. Yeah. Five, six, seven. No, forget it. And I was, I was trying to think uh, the, the reason I started that way was cause I was like, what did I see kids doing in New York? Mm-hmm. And I really didn't see a ton that young without parents. Yeah. 
Like it's not something yeah. that made sense. So, but again, yeah. the 70s were very different and like That's latchkey true. kids. Very true. I feel like my sister was kind of on the end of what the latchkey kids are. So, mm-hmm. but I feel like the rules got more and more <laughs> as, you know, cuz my yeah. mother is roughly the same age as edge age as Rory Choi. Mhm. So, yeah, by the time they have kids, they're like these are the things we did. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think I was roughly 11 too when it was like you can go ride with the kids in the neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, I could yeah. not. There was where I lived, we could not ride bikes. Like, <laughs> too busy of a street. The yeah, like I know that it was weird cuz when I lived in Arkansas, we didn't ride a bus. Mom dropped us off. And then we okay. went to the nanny. Well, it was essentially an at-home daycare um, that was around the corner. So it was a big group of us kids. But I don't think there was an adult with us mm. walking from the elementary school around the corner. Yeah. yeah it's like a power in numbers yeah. type of thing that you would all keep each other safe. Exactly. Type of thing. And so when we moved to Georgia, that was the first time I rode in the bus. So I know I was coming mm-hmm. home at that point where my mother wasn't home. Yeah. And I don't know if the twins have ever done... I mean, I know that they've been home without mm. my mother, but, like... hmm Yeah. It's such a different vibe nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah, my mom and my stepdad worked... My mom worked nights, my stepdad worked days, so someone was always home. Okay. And I did get a key eventually, like, in high school, and then it was, like, someone was always home, so I wasn't the best at keeping it in my backpack. And of course there were a couple times I forgot it. And of course there were, those were the times that my mom was out of course. and she'd come home and I would just be sitting on the steps. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your key inside? She's like, why don't you have it with you? Because you're always home. Exactly. <laughs> like... <laughs> why would this be any different? Right. Um, so right. after another thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. It's just another thing I liked about the setup of this chapter is that it's called Mother Sauces, and the first recipe we get is kimchi. Yes. Which his mom makes a ton of, and that is that, I think, it, I get, like, that's, like, his, like, there's there's always certain foods and songs and drinks or whatever that will bring you back to a certain yeah. time. Kimchi feels like his home. Yes. Type of thing, like, home base type yes. of thing. Um, so I, I really liked that, that that was the first thing he gave us. I do too. I do too. And especially cause like, it's not only that his mother, um, makes kimchi. It's that his mm. mother makes such good kimchi that they essentially started mm-hmm. like a delivery service with it. Yeah. Before. That and other things she yeah. would make, like always hustling. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to- that leads to them opening the, the restaurant, Silver Garden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is named the, it is what his sister's Korean name means. But mm-hmm. her American name is Julie. Yeah. Uh, and that, they were able to open that after another community pot of money, yes. basically, um, allowed them to, to start that business in 78. Yes. And it seemed so um, great. I loved the description. It did. Like, he was running around and helping and he's like looking mm-hmm. back i'm sure i was under everybody's feet but i'm yes. so happy and yeah. every day at like 3 p.m everybody mm-hmm. would stop and you would make dumplings and everybody would gossip mm-hmm. right and i love that so much yes yeah um unfortunately and and like i, I also like he's like if there had been a yelp we would have had it was just great yep. there were lines at all times like they were thriving 
And I was like, this yes. is awesome. Is this how we got to start? Yeah. And then later when there's a chapter named Emerald, I was like, oh, yeah, I actually knew that this is what got him into right. cooking. But it's weird that this, his parents having a restaurant. Right. And even before that, his mom yeah. was like the house. Like she would always have the kimchi going yes. and like all these other things, like other foods and stuff. So it does feel like food was always, I mean, food is a part of everyone's yes. life, but like a major part of it, mm-hmm. but like that he didn't quite realize that he could like make a career of yeah. this until later, later in life, yeah. basically. Not super late. He was like 26 when he went yes. to the Culinary Institute, but um, it wasn't something where he was like a kid thinking, oh, this is what I want to do with my right. life. It was more like, this is what we're doing. This is our business right now where mom is selling her stuff, mm-hmm. you know, while, while they had the liquor store or whatever. And I'm supposed to go to school and studying and I'm supposed to go to college and do all that stuff. And he, even from a young age, kind of has a vibe of like, college is definitely not for him. Mm. Um, very smart, like super mm-hmm. intelligent person, mm-hmm. um, but very clearly didn't know what he wanted to do in life. Right. Um, unfortunately, the restaurant suffers from just that the 80s kind of putting the 80s grime on everything. Yeah, like the drugs yeah. coming into that area, the, that area of town becoming such that no one wants to come to it, right. even for this great food. Um, and so after two and a half years, I believe, it shut down. Yeah. Um, and also during this time, his parents really started drinking. Um, mm-hmm. They were fighting constantly. He might get a slap. Yeah. If there was There was mention of that. For not doing something or almost sounding like because he was there. Yeah. It, it's, for them to, like, express their frustration. It hints at a lot of bad, but it doesn't yeah. give. And I am glad there's not a ton of detail on that because that's hard to read. But also, right. so curious at what point, like, you guys. But then again, the number of things they do for him later in life. Yeah. You know. I don't want to say, like, he got his revenge, because that's not the vibe here, but also. No. It was like, we'll see. Like, basically, like, they all had their own struggles. Yeah. And maybe, like, the parents, they just weren't able to see his struggles while they were going through theirs. Very much so. Yeah. Um, they got into the jewelry after that again. This was mind-boggling. I had to reread it a few times, because yeah. I was like... Did you just say that your mother had you stealing jewels at the age of 12? That, like, they'd go to this dude who had the... He had jewels out on the table, and the good stuff was in a safe. Mm -hmm. And he always caved to his mom and opened up that safe and gave her the good stuff at dirt cheap prices because she could turn them around and sell them for even more. But it was just like, again, mom being a badass. And then they would hide the jewels on Roy, which... It is logical to think that a 12-year-old would not get mugged. That of the three of them, if someone was going to get mugged, or if their pockets were going to get picked, it was going to be the adults. What? Who's going to do that to a 12-year-old? Exactly. So I'm like, I see the logic, but my God, he's only 12. Exactly. <sighs> and then taking them to the other guy who would set them and make the necklaces or make the bracelets or make the earrings, who would always again cave in to his mom and her demands and turnaround time expectations. I did enjoy so his his dad actually got like certified in gemstones. 
Yeah. Um, they yeah. were. His dad was involved yes. too, but mom was definitely the, the voice, like, it sounded she like. She was, you know, checking into Tiffany's and having things set up similar and mm-hmm. like, it wasn't a con from the sense of right. like, they were selling real jewels, but also. Right. It was a con? <laughs> And that they had their 12-year-old son stealing jewels. Or was he... (sighs) Wait, were they stealing them? I thought they were buying them from that guy. I got the impression that there was like a... When they turned... Let me see if I highlighted it. Because I swear it was like when he turned his head, I put... Like grabbed a handful of them and put them in my pocket. Oh, shit. (laughs) But let me double check. Oh, maybe I didn't highlight it. Because the next highlight I have is about... So I got this in ebook. And on mm-hmm. Kindle, this book is not good. On my phone, it's a lot better. So now I can oh. actually understand how beautiful it is. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's only in hardback. Yes. But yeah, yeah like reading this. Which will be helpful for whenever I do make something yes. from this book and can easily set this on my counter. And the pictures, the photography. Who does the photography? Uh, Bobby Fisher. The- gorgeous. Okay, I think I read it wrong. And hid, we left and hid in the hallway or stairwell outside for the next place. I swear, the way I read this, I thought they were stealing jewels. Oh, okay. I got, like, yeah, I think that when they were hiding, it was because they left with the jewels in the adult's hands. Yes. And then there they put them on Roy. Yes. Okay. And then, yeah. Okay. A little less terrifying. I mean, he's still involved. Oh, yeah. It's still not great. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It doesn't really say if they stayed in the jewelry business. Yeah, I, because the next thing, it's like they're doing really well mm-hmm. and they basically move into Nolan Ryan's old house, yes. <laughs> which his dad fucking loves. Um, which that, okay. So he talks about how when it's, you know, before this, before this, mm-hmm. this break in the jewelry business, that he was used to having to move every now and then, like, or periodically like if the hustle that they were working on was not going well they would pack up move put stuff in storage move somewhere else find a new hustle do something else basically they pack up the night before and they drive to this super rich all mostly all white neighborhood (laughs) and like they don't tell them they, they don't give them any warning and i feel like the parents may have seen this as sort of like um I don't know, maybe like a like when you when you see those commercials for like Disney World and it's the parents surprising yeah. the kids, something like that, like a like a surprise. Look at this, but it's like you're taking them away from what they know. Exactly. You're putting you're going to an all white neighborhood. They're gonna be the minority, and it's like a permanent thing that you're thinking that this is where we're gonna stay. Maybe give them a little heads up. Yeah. Like I guess the selling point was maybe that they finally got their own rooms, but also. Also, yeah. the fact that Nolan Ryan had pooped in that house, in that yes. toilet. Do you know? It's very exciting for Dad. Who has pooped in this <laughs> toilet? And I was like, man, I guess right. poop. Jokes. And he's just like, I, I don't know who yeah. Dad like. And of course, he's like, he admits that he was thirteen or fourteen, like moody yes. puberty, yes. going through puberty. Uh, but he played along because his dad was so excited. But I was just like, yeah, that the puberty, the angst, that would also definitely add to my mood because he was angry. Yeah. He was angry about this. And I, I think that's totally valid. Yeah. 
and he I like the uh, the way he talks about he took a walk around the neighborhood saw a kid mm-hmm. kind of waved but was like so overwhelmed and then after realized was like something is really really weird mm-hmm. and then was like oh they're all white yep that he also on that walk he figures oh there's an alleyway I'll get to see yes. the true dirt of this area and it's like no there's no graffiti everything is stacked very neatly back there everything's organized it's not the alleyways that he knew right of, of his previous home. Right. <clears throat> and he does kind of feel like he resents that. And then the house that they buy after that, too. Uh, he doesn't mm-hmm. love either. But, yeah, there's no really... Like, they both work. They both do something because they were gone mm-hmm. during the day. Mm-hmm. And they still... Not able... Oh, oh they still had a lot of stress and stuff because, like, the alcoholism definitely kicked yes. up after that. Yeah. But we don't really get what they're doing... Or anything like that. Like his shift. And to be fair, a kid shifts at 13 to 15 from family mm-hmm. focus to friend focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what the book does. Right. And that, yeah. So he definitely has some culture shock when he sees like his friends' refrigerators and the, just the yes. like fruit platters and all kinds of chips and all the, 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 the like gushers and yes. fruits, all those fruit snacks and you know, like basically what was old hat to them became kind of exciting because it was new to him. And they like, he would try everything and they would get everything and they would try yeah. it with him. It was kind of like rejuvenating for them. Um, but then he did notice there that their fridge doesn't look like that. Like they're still, they're not as rich right. as right. some of these kids. Um, but that also because his parents are, they're both working, they're doing something. They're not home to see like, this is where he tries weed for the first mm-hmm. time. Like, he starts to get into, like, not that heavy metal and weed are related, but, like, a friend of his introduces him yeah. to that, and then weed, and yeah. I do like that he discusses his friend's food, and especially, like, that they, you know, really enjoy trying with him. But also that, and he he even says, like, his house probably stinks to his friend, but to him it smells like home. And right. I think it, like, really is good at subverting that trope of, like, not, people are shitty. Like, if you have different food, Mm -hmm. like, people, especially in elementary school, like, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. this trope doesn't exist for a reason, but I am really glad that instead of him talking about that, he's like, yeah, kimchi's still the best, though. Right. Dave Chang talked about that, too, on his show. Mm -hmm. Um that like his house like he knew what it like I feel like a little bit of embarrassment because like you're a teenager you're all like I feel like once you become a teenager you're probably always going to be embarrassed of your parents it's just like gonna happen and for something like that where it's like it doesn't smell like the other kids houses was like a source of anxiety maybe a little embarrassment Mm -hmm. um but that he still like loves his food and that he's really come to embrace his food same thing with Roy as we go on when when he goes into food like professionally He's not cooking Asian food, and he feel he writes yeah. somewhere in this that he felt like he was proving something because the Asian guy is not cooking Asian food. Yes, and then finally embraces that. Um, I do like that. So roughly, uh, the first two chapters are definitely very Korean heavy food recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the duck fat fries, maybe I don't know. It's like a a interesting combination of Korean and what I would expect out of California food. And mm-hmm. then we hit this one where it's making fruit roll-ups and yes. chips and dip and things like that. And I was like, 
all right, okay, this is, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't pick up this book just expecting it to be, or you shouldn't pick it up expecting just Korean recipes or like a Korean-Mexican fusion recipe book. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get like the next few chapters of him just all of the rock bottom. (laughs) Yeah. It starts with him joining gangs, um, talking about yeah. friends that have died. I like so when he is in high school, he's like, you know what? He he describes it as like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get my shit together. I'm gonna join all these clubs. I'm gonna do my homework. I'm gonna go to bed or like all that stuff. And he's like, that lasted about as long as your New Year's resolution, yes. like a day. Yes. <laughs> and then he remembers like he can pinpoint. Where it ended basically was these fucking asshole jocks trying to push him in the line, calling him inappropriate names, slurs. Yeah. And then they physically push him too far. And so he fights back, breaks one's nose, kicks the other. And like he defends himself, gets his stuff and leaves. But then he sees the Grove Street mob like Mm -hmm. somewhere and they like the like the leader guy nods at him. And so he goes over there and has lunch with them. And that's exactly like how he gets in. It was interesting Like he does talk about how they used to like roam the city and they would pick fights and they would do drugs and party and stuff but they also would fix cars mm-hmm. and pull up weeds and babysit kids, uh, babysit kids. yeah just, <laughs> i mean to be honest that feels very i was about to say it feels very real and then i was like it also feels very fonzie uh because he did love mm-hmm. happy days <laughs> um yeah. but yeah just like strangely wholesome mixed in with the debauchery yeah um yeah and i appreciate that like you know he admits like they did a lot of stuff that was not good yeah and but we also did this so you know they weren't hated around town right when he talks about his friend ryan that's there's that's the death one of the deaths Mm -hmm. he talks about um i appreciate how he kind of he's given us he gives us his take on it like looking at it more than just he died in a car crash right. and the skid the skid marks show he drove into that wall not away from it or the guardrail or whatever it was he drove into um with that he talks about how this guy was brilliant very much mm-hmm. like him very smart brilliant and that but he's, he was black and where he was born and all the things that as a black person that you have coming against you in this country and how that can weigh on you and just you stop trying after a while I appreciated the honesty of him looking at it, looking at that. He also talks a little bit about not feeling comfortable in his own skin during this time. Mm -hmm. And the word suicide is never mentioned because, you know, at some point he's like, maybe a tire popped and that's what happened. But it was weird that he was driving because he never drove. Mm -hmm. And essentially it is like, I think he did this. And I made peace with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little confused because I I feel like he said they were hanging out at their apartment. So I wasn't sure at what age this happened or when he moved out of his parents' house. Yeah. It's it's a little because he hadn't graduated high school yet. Mm hmm. So I don't know. No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they had like a group apartment. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, they do because they talk about he was trying to get Ryan to go to the party with him, 
And then he was heading back that way afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just somebody's apartment and they all kind of crashed there when they could. Maybe, yeah. Because it also sounded like it was the kind of thing where he'd be gone from his parents' house at all hours mm-hmm. of the night. And I was just like, how? Right? My mother would have murdered me. I don't understand this. <laughs> there is a lot of... Uh... His parents letting him do his own thing until he kind of self-destructs. So I do wonder if you're right, if, like, they were fighting their own demons so much. Mm -hmm. That they couldn't keep tabs. Yeah. On what he was getting into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, But he does still apply for college and goes, but he's, it's not his passion. Mm -hmm. He's not super into it. His parents do, when they send him on that trip to Korea uh, for a a program basically focused on trying to get, like, young, almost 20-somethings to reconnect with their Mm -hmm. Korean heritage and where they come from. Um, I I thought that was kind of, that was like... hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, I thought that was, like, an interesting tactic that his parents were trying, like, and also, like, getting him away from whatever's going on in the city, like, where they live, like, to get away from that stuff. I found it... But he wasn't into it. Yeah, he definitely wasn't, and I kind of respected that because his parents, like, didn't let him speak Korean at home. Like, they wanted him to be that, so we didn't talk about that. American. Yeah, he'd get yelled at, or maybe smacked for yeah. that. That might have been one of those... Yeah, yeah. Good point. I totally forgot about that. And then turn that. around and they're like, no, go connect it. I would also be like, all right, middle fingers to you guys, too. Right. But, like, he knows Korean, so they taught yeah. him the language. But does he still... How are you going to teach it to him and not have him use right. it? But does he still know Korean by that point, I guess, is the question. That's a good, I um, no idea. Like, I know he knows Spanish. I assume he still knows Korean, but I do, like... If you don't use it, you can exactly, lose it. Exactly, yeah. So, so I am good question. curious about that. Um, yeah. He meets a girl on this mm-hmm. trip in Seoul, and they, from the sounds of it, it's how he lost his virginity... Um, and they really bought it. I really thought this was him meeting his wife. I did too. Like, cause they were like exploring the yeah. foods together and it was like, he was getting into that part yeah. of it and exploring the areas and the foods and, and then, you know, the program ends and she goes to Brown mm-hmm. here in Rhode Island and he goes back to California. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get to the part of him talking about how he was saving up enough money and as soon as he could, he was going to go visit her and she didn't know he was coming. And I was like, stop. Yep. I don't think this is your wife. Stop. Yep. The whole, <laughs> she didn't know. But surprises are great. And I was like, oh, no. Nope. And to her, it was very clearly a summer fling. Mm-hmm. It was just an in Korea, in this program right. thing. And now that we're back home, it's not that. Even though they were sending love letters to each yes. other. That was another thing. It's not like they didn't talk exactly. at all. And all of a sudden, he shows up three months later still, at Brown. Yeah, like... But he still just showed up three months later. I do. I <laughs> no warning. I would be curious about her letters, like if he was reading too much into them, kind of thing. I know. Um, I know. So she entertained him for like a day, which was, and then the next day, right? Like he's got kind mad of respect her. for her for doing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then the next day, he goes to New York and stays at a YMCA. Gets all his money <sighs> stolen from him. Which, like, okay. How old would he have been at this point? 20. 18, 18 19, 20. He's yes. young. Okay. He's young. 
But like he's outside talking to a guy and they're sharing a cigarette and the guy is like, oh, I'm a college professor and there's a lecture and tickets are like 120, like literally all yes. Roy had on him. If you give me your money, I'll go get them. And I'm like, Roy, come on. The way come he on. set it up, I could understand falling for it. But no. the moment that they were like, yeah, the lecture is $120. And I was like, that's when my radar went off. I was just like, you come on. Like he the street smarts yes. like what he like what he like it just i don't i was like come on <laughs> la and new york are very different like you can't i enjoy there's like a tiktok that's like how LA people do it versus new york and cracks me up hmm but yeah just because you're street smart in one city doesn't mean your streets are in all of them right right and also like he he says it a couple times. He doesn't dive into it a mm-hmm. lot, but like, like the Asian guilt of like just wanting to do good for your parents and want and because they want you to and wanting to make them proud. Like he knows college is not his thing because he he's been goofing off at school, like in college or not answering right. questions or on that trip he was he wouldn't talk or, um. It, maybe it was also that of like, oh, this college professor, he maybe he can spark something Very in me true. at this lecture or, you know, the lecture can help me just get just focus so I can right. do what I'm supposed to do. Instead, he finds cocaine. Oh, God. I like so that guy leaves with his money and doesn't come back. It's been hours. And another guy is like, so he got you for your money, right? <laughs> it's just like you didn't warn him. There's no, no no warning. Not like there's any, like, I don't know. Like, he doesn't know him. Right. But, but he, I was like, what are you going to do? And then the guy introduces him to crack. Yeah. This, I, I, I thought this was going to be a longer. I thought so, too. Uh, dive into it. Like, it, it was only a week. Yeah. And actually, I think that's when he talks a little, he mentions the guilt, mm-hmm. like, of wanting to, like, please your parents because he says he can hear it on that seventh day, can, like, hear his mom calling for him. And he's like, all right, calls his parents, goes home, never touches crack again. Yes. And you can kind of be like, cool, um, this is when you get your life together, right? I love the food in this chapter because mm-hmm. they are totally stone or poor, mm-hmm. like, that you know, in college poor or, you know, about to start my first job kind of ketchup fried rice. Yeah. (laughs) Pillsbury fried donuts. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so great. Um, And again, I just, the cook perfect instant ramen. The cookbook portion of this, I loved. Mm -hmm. It was just the memoir portion that I was like, "Eh." yeah. There's definitely a few recipes I want to try. Like, I want to try his instant ramen where he makes it and he puts cheese in it. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm, like, very intrigued by this. I've never done it. Um, Yeah, I... There's a couple of things. There's a horchata recipe, which is... My roommate Mm -hmm. loves it. So I'm like, oh, we're going to have to try that. Um, So he moves back to L.A. And then starts gambling. This, my God... And it's crazy how long he was able to go on his high, on his, on his yeah, lucky streak. It was a yeah, year. Yeah, it's like he gambled 
or I think it was like three years in total of his life is all about gambling and like had a little bit of a lucky streak and then found poker and then like severely had a lucky streak. Like a year. Yes. Like tens of thousands of like just so much money he was bringing in like and that it lasted for so long was insane. Bought a new TV, was going to all of these nice restaurants, trying food he had never had before. Um I mean, like... I think that's actually... There's mention of... I can't remember their names now, but they were on the chef show. They go to their restaurant, mm-hmm. these two women. I don't know if you remember. They make the sweet potato quesadillas because then I made yes. them after watching that episode. Yes. <laughs> but he mentions discovering them in their restaurant at... Like, he was like, oh, I like this. Like, just, just trying all sorts of great, great mm-hmm. food. Um, yeah. And, like... I like the, the discussion of, like, he was... You know, all these friends, all these women could pick up anybody he wanted. And the person that he didn't pay enough attention to was Lady Luck. Yeah. And his luck obviously changes because it's, you never ever can keep, you, you just can't keep winning. Like, right. I agree. A year yeah. of high is insane. It's insane that he got that much. Yes. And we're talking like, I think 34,000 might have been the highest jackpot he won or something, or like one hand or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he starts losing and starts selling all of his stuff. A Burberry peacoat. Um, then starts stealing from his parents. Yeah. Going to their house, stealing the sister's harp yeah. to sell. And I just was like, oh my. But then, but he said like the one thing he wouldn't touch was their rent money because him and his right. roommates, their rent money. But then when there was nothing left to steal from his parents and nothing left that he could sell, that's when he started dipping into that. And I was just like, no. And then there's the guy (sighs) that wins a $150,000 jackpot. Oh, my God. And I want to kind of look and see if I can find this, but it'd be 90s, so anything would be archived. But apparently this guy won $150,000. It's the highest jackpot that had ever been won. Um, Went out to his car with his girlfriend or something, Mm -hmm. or at least a woman. And they got butchered with a knife. Or not with a knife. An axe. An axe. Him and the girl, his girlfriend, got split in half with a fucking axe. Just. On the way to their car. And did that stop him? No. No. It took an actual intervention. His parents coming and Mm -hmm. pulling him out. And his friends, I think, were there. Yes. Which, like, okay. So, I don't know enough about poker. Like, I think he's at Texas (laughs) Hold'em. He's talking about what he has and what's on the table. I have literally no idea if that was a good hand, if he would have probably won that pot. It still was do like you know 34 me? bucks. Um, I do know enough, oh. but now let me... <laughs> okay. it was not a, it was not a worth, uh, what did he have? Did he have sevens at that point? He had $14 in his hand. That's all he had. All right. $14 and chips. But that he really just wanted them. I mean, he I, had you a know, pair he's of seven. Of course, they want him to finish. It wasn't great. Oh, yeah. okay. It's. I was just. It's curious. not like a an automatically winning hand. He wasn't like. He didn't have a royal flush. Okay. Um. But it was also like he talks about like when his luck runs out that all the people too who had been around him and hanging on oh, him yeah. and the people he like the the waiters that he used to tip like hundreds of dollars in one shot wouldn't like they'd make him step back from the tables or you know like that clearly they go where the money is right. and 
seeing that also hurt and that he just wanted to get back in but that it did take a literal intervention of his parents and his friends coming to physically take him out to get him to stop which is insane which thankfully he did like he did go home with them yes. he went he had to deal with the withdrawals um he got a job he got a job as a which like what <laughs> Job managing other people's Investment. investments, which just seems yes. so fucking, but also very eighties and nineties. It does, it's, yeah, because like he, had, yeah, very nineties of like, oh, you have no experience with investment banking. Come on. But then, like, he's able to get some people, and then word of mouth, like friends of the yeah. family. Once he starts, he's able to help them know, and helping someone, it spirals yeah. out. He did pass two tests. It wasn't just like right. It wasn't and just he, yeah. You know, he did have to do had something. to start the job by yeah. cold calling people. And mm-hmm. worked his way up to six figures. And then again, you think like, okay, cool. That's what he's doing when he realizes, you know, cooking is what he wants to do. No. Nope. nope. There's another. It's running into an old friend, his old roommate, Yogi, mm-hmm. getting back into partying and just being out all night. And like, he's shown up to work later and later. He's not calling people back. Like the, yes. his clients. He's not calling them back and answering their questions. And <sighs> you would think. I can't remember how long this went on for. A while. A few months. Yes. At least, yeah. Um, and essentially runs into an ex-girlfriend who has a new oh. boyfriend, almost gets murdered by a new boyfriend, definitely gun to head, should have been killed. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's also not his, just like the ex, the guy who, oh, yeah. who got murdered with an ex, that's not the no. breaking point. It's a few weeks later yes. that he wakes up, like, hungover, the TV is on and it's Emerald yes. cooking. And in his hungover state, he feels like Emerald is like, what are you doing? Get your fucking shit together. Eat and like smell this beef for Bourguignon that I'm making. Like, just get, what are you doing with your his nose? Yeah. And so he refocuses on work yes. and talks to his parents and they're like, all right, we'll do this. We'll, we'll, we'll support you in this if like you're really serious about it. And he applies for and goes to the culinary institute yeah their stipulation was like if you're going to do it you have to go to essentially the harvard version of but of, yes of a cooking school yeah. and um and he does like save up his own money and puts money towards it i i, I get the feeling mm-hmm. this is probably the first point that he the first thing that he put some of himself into or like mm-hmm. took some of the risk rather than yeah. his parents just sending him yeah which like I helped pay for my mm-hmm. undergrad and I always felt like, you know, way I'm going to drink and party this away because I watched like my bank account go from $4,000 after busting my ass at fucking six flags right. down to a thousand to pay for fucking books yes. <laughs> because I had to send the other three to UMass or whatever exactly, it was. Yes. Um, it's just, you appreciate it more if you put some of yourself into it. I agree. Yeah. But when he gets there, like, he does realize he's on the older end. He's 26 going on 27. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is, like, 18, 20. Like, really young. But, like, when he starts his classes, this is this is his passion. Like, this is, like, he's devouring all of the classes. He's reading all of these books back to back and, like, cover to cover and just loving all of the learning that he gets to do. Like, this yes. is his field. Um, I like that the recipes for when he was gambling are very, ah, quote, unquote, high class casino crime mm. rib maybe not as much mm-hmm. foe for them hoes um, god yeah spaghetti the four dollar spaghetti that tastes almost as good as a 24 dollar one yeah which I like did they that. make I like that on the chef show 
I feel like <sighs> is that the one with the twirl? Yeah, the I feel like twirl, or was that something? I feel else? like that is, but I could be wrong. Um, the the emerald episode or the emerald chapter, which is where he's partying with his old roommate, has a lot more Korean, um, mm-hmm. but also has like a hibachi recipe to represent like his parents being really excited when he got this job. <laughs> and then yes, New York, and I love. That one of the recipes in this New York chapter is, like, the first thing that he aced, like, made from culinary school. And I was yep. like, I want to try that. <laughs> yeah, the potatoes and a yeah. banana. I totally want to try this. Um, he, like, ends up in the dorm room with <laughs> just an absolute <laughs> jerk. Kind of steals all their friends. They eventually, like, have it out. Um, he makes... I liked that because he recognized that the two of them were very, they had their similarities. It's like, I think he describes them as two pit bulls or basically, Mm -hmm. but that he doesn't want to slip into his old ways. Mm -hmm. So he basically pulls him aside and does like the wide eyed knock this the fuck off or I will end you like conversation with no physical anything. It's just a conversation and I'm conveying in my face and my eyes that I will do this and everything (laughs) stops. (laughs) Um, I love that it talks about how they had to get extra uh, ships, which are internships. Oh, the externships? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like that he works with Eric Repair, who is amazing. I love that story. (laughs) That he can't find one. All of his friends have externships. He's like the last one, and he's walking, and he sees a guy, a chef staring out the window and he's like I, he looks familiar I must have seen him somewhere and he's like holding up his resume pointing and trying to gesture from outside that he is a culinary student and he needs an yes. externship and the guy it's Eric Repair but he has him come inside and he's like oh my god I just realized where I am I'm at La Bernadette. Exactly. <laughs> I love that so much and that oh, just like what he learns there like okay so like this is where I was like, okay, I've been very curious what you learn at mm-hmm. the Culinary Institute because I hear it mentioned on Top sure. Chef and obviously they go over knife cuts and history and stuff like that. But at La Bernadette where there's like no tickets and stuff like that, it's like, oh, so you got to like, this is why you have to have an externship yes. because every restaurant could run differently. But this is how you, you learn the on the line exactly. stuff, which just seems incredibly overwhelming exactly. to me. I, I feel like it is definitely one of those jobs, like being a chef is one of those jobs where you have to understand and respect every part of the kitchen yes or it will never work right um and i love that he you know kind of beats himself up because it's you know he's not instantly good at it but also like the people he works with they're you know super supportive but also like you know get your shit together and Mm -hmm. uh he smokes like a chimney and he still smokes weed occasionally but very much is cleaned up yeah um, the next chapter after that is kind of his career afterwards. And this mm-hmm. one was the kind of the point that I was like, because suddenly he's married. Yep. Which we've discussed. Not a big deal. Which I'm also. Yeah. Yes. It's. So he graduates in 98 mm-hmm. and moves out to California because La Casa del Zorro is this restaurant out in the desert. Yes. Where, like, a head chef is dangled at him at, like, a recruiting fair. I was like, you want to come work with this guy? That guy quits. So it's him and Paul, another guy from school, mm-hmm. that are in charge, which is insane. 
Um, but there's like move like when he has to with the moving because I think he was married yes. by that point. I was just like, okay, so I'm just curious, like, what does your wife do? Like, was she on board for moving? Because when he leaves there and has to move again, like, it's like, I'm just very curious right. about that dynamic. Like, there is a conversation of, like, um, he could have stayed and worked on, you know, but on average, I think chefs or, like, the mm. position he'd be in made less than 30 grand and, and he yeah. wasn't going to do that to her. Um, yeah. I like this chapter because I'm sure all of us have experienced that moment where we're like done with whatever training or whatever. And we're like, we are now in charge or whatever and have to fall on our face. Mm -hmm. And so like he yells at one of his employees who then turn around later and is like, because I respect you, I'm going to like, you got one warning, but you do that again and I, you're dead. Right. And you need to really think about who you are yes. and what you're putting out there. And, like, I loved that because they're back behind the kitchen. Mm-hmm. They're outside at this point. He he thinks that Kenneth, I think, is the guy. That Kenneth is going to apologize to him yes. for not finding the lamb quicker or whatever it was. And Kenneth is like, no, that's not what yes. this is. But that, because I, I don't like the toxic male energy that you see in some kitchens. Like, the mm-hmm. yelling and this, like, the Gordon Ramsay. I don't like that. I like great british breakoff i like yes. top chef when they help each other play like there was an episode of chopped where a guy cut his hand in like the final round like minutes to go so like no time on the clock so his competition plated for him because he would he would not have been able yeah. to get anything on his plate and it was kind of the thing of like i if i'm gonna win, I wanna win against, it needs to be yeah. because of my food yeah. not because of a technicality yeah. like i like people like that i don't like that yelling and he screamed at Kenneth in oh, front yeah. of everyone. And it's like he so. he's like, you know, take Gordon Ramsay, add, you know, multiply it by ten. Like he was awful. And I just it reminded me of my AMC days on a much smaller level, mm. of course. But you had the crew and then you had like floor crew managers. And I just mm-hmm. remember like more often than not, you'd get someone who was like suddenly I'm in charge and suddenly I'm a dick. And it was like Mm -hmm. No, dude. (laughs) That's not how this works. Right. Right. And then also the thing of now he knows what he knows that he wrote. If you had your wedding at La Casa del Zorro between this time (laughs) and this time, I'm sorry. (laughs) We didn't know what we were doing. Which is so (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) The crispy duck breast with polenta and sweet and sour mango sauce Mm -hmm. is definitely on my list from that chapter. Uh, Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to get duck breast, but I'm totally going to make this polenta at some point. Yes. Um, and there's also a mushroom quesadilla yes. that like, I love his descriptions for some of the recipes. Mm-hmm. Like this one is like, people see mushrooms and like, what? And then like, then they try it and they're like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to yes. be me. I love mushrooms. Yeah. Um, I love the story where like, um, I think it was a Chinese chef was like, he was cooking to impress him and he's like no that's an asian chef why does everybody keep saying that you're an american chef and he's like because i fucking am oh that that's when he moves to work at the embassy yes. suites in lake tahoe this is again with the movement i'm like how does your family feel about this um she but had to they know. they yeah they, yeah or maybe it's kind of like that thing of like if you're married to someone in academia yeah. like college level academia you're gonna have to move with exactly. them to wherever they can find positions um 
but they're they're the daughter of like the original Iron Chef Roku Saburo mm-hmm. Mishiba. She worked there and they kept in touch with her to the point where they asked her if they could send someone, Roy, to go like learn from her dad. <laughs> so it was over yes. there that people kept asking, Why are you Asian? <laughs> Which is just so great. They said American Chef was coming. So great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I loved that. Like, I like that description of his time over there and that Laberna Dan really taught him about seafood. But the what he was able to then learn in Japan with how they work with seafood, uh, that he just found that so it has to be valuable. Yeah, so different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love sushi, but, like, I've only had, like, super high-priced sushi, like, twice in my life, maybe. It's such a different experience, and it's so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Stupid me. I did not like sushi when I was 16 (laughs) and in Japan. And I ate it, like, because everyone there was so nice, but it was definitely, like, I didn't care for it, and it was just, like, thank you, and would just, like, chew twice and try to swallow it because I didn't want to be rude. All that was wasted. So I have to go back and, like, really treat myself. I really liked, so when he moves over to the Beverly Hilton, mm-hmm. first of all, him talking about the interview, that basically they gave him an interview. I can't remember why, if someone told them that they needed to, but they didn't want to hire him. So they were trying to, like, get him to back off. Like, the process took months and, like, they get rescheduled or whatever it was. And then he shows up and he, like, fucking wows them with his food and they hire him on the spot. But that they want him to revamp the menu but they don't tell the head chef that and the chef wants him to make things the way he wants him to make them and Roy's like that's what I'm gonna do I can't like he's the head chef not me I can't just do this which I I liked that I found that that was yeah you gotta respect like the rankings of the kitchen Mm -hmm. it's like you respect the whole kitchen you gotta respect the head chef and what's also crazy is like he has all these accolades, mm-hmm. but was still struggling to find any kind of position that actually paid. Like, Ugh, that's a yeah. problem with the restaurant business. Yeah, like the industry. Yeah, like uh, it is <sighs> suffering. I just because <laughs> he would talk about like when he would move different hotels and like bigger events or bigger like things or amounts of things like events weddings meetings stuff that he'd have to be responsible for i'm like what does that translate to in terms of pay because i'm still not clear on how much at one point he that you're getting paid what you should be the iron you know going to to work with the iron chef he still talks about how like he couldn't find an entry-level position or something for like 35 grand which is oh that was after i think that was after he got fired yeah but still like he had worked with the iron chef yes like, and, like, the reason he gets, like, so when he moves over to, I never heard of this place, Rock the Rock Rock mm-hmm. Sugar, from the founder of Cheesecake Factory that he wanted, basically wanted Roy as his chef de cuisine for this, like, Vietnamese, Asian fusion, like, type of place. I've never heard of around. it. I'm, I haven't looked. I was curious, but I'm I didn't look. Now. But that, like, the volume was such that, like, it was tripping him up. Like, it was the same volume he would see in previous positions, but condensed to a smaller time period. Right. Whereas, like, other places, it would be more spread out throughout the day. And he just just, just started fucking up recipes and stuff that he should know. Um, that when he got fired, that I think was when he couldn't find anything. And it was just like, but look at look at his resume. Like Exactly, yeah. Okay, he got fired, but that's like, because it wasn't a great, it wasn't a good fit. Exactly. 
But like, look at what he's done. <laughs> Rock Sugar Southeast Asian Kitchen. It opened in 2008 in Century City, mm-hmm. L.A. That is the other thing. When he was fired, it was when the economy was yes. shit. Uh, a second location opened in Oak Brook, Illinois in November 2017, but it closed in December 2019. So oh. I'm guessing the first one still exists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, David Overton excluded Chinese and Japanese cuisine from the menu. Then what the... F- oh, I guess Southeast Asian is different. Um, oh, okay. Sorry, I just... Asian and then... But yeah, <laughs> that'd be Philippines and, and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, yeah, apparently they have several restaurants. Okay. Um, I really liked that when his old friend from his Hilton days calls him with the idea... That he's like, all right, so you lost your job. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I have an idea. Yes. Let's talk. <laughs> Which, like, and it's that mindset in general is not something that I ever will understand, but I so appreciate no. the respect. Right. Because it's, it's, it's definitely that kind of mindset of where, like, people who don't have it need someone in their mm-hmm. life who can say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, especially in this case where he had the idea for, like, the Korean taco and the Korean, the taco truck yes. and that, and that's that, you know. He started the food truck wave, essentially. But, yeah. Um, which, I, okay, so um, Atlanta is a weird foodie city. It, and it's mm-hmm. solely just because the way Atlanta is laid out, it's just hard to get around. Um, okay. That being said, like, we restaurants but I remember when a food truck location opened up like six mm-hmm. or seven years ago and when I moved to New York we had the smorgasbord which was one of my favorite things to take people to when they visited because like if you want to try a bunch of things that you would never ever have an opportunity to try for fairly decent prices Mm-hmm. Like, I've had ube ice cream because of the smorgasbord. I've actually never yeah. seen it on another menu. But, um, and it was like a place you could get oysters right next to um, a chicken and waffle, you know, thing. <laughs> and, like, my favorite thing, and they had it near my office on Fridays. Um, it was in Williamsburg on Saturdays. I think now it's actually in Jersey City on Saturdays. And then it was in Prospect Park, which I lived near on Sundays. And it would have staples, but also different foods. All of this mm-hmm. is to say... When I, I recently was talking um, with one of my foodie friends and was like, hey, is the food truck place still open? And he's like, yeah, but it's not. It's like the same five Aww. things. And I'm so bummed because like mm. so much of like what I love and diverse food places and stuff is like this smorgasbord concept or like upscale food courts, essentially. I don't know what else to call them. Mm-hmm. Um which is another place like that I would take people because I just think it's so cool to be able to go to one yeah. place and try so many different foods. And yeah. it's really cool that he kind of pioneered that or made it yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically, that's basically where it ends is with him. He's uh, he, the uh, Kogi, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it Koji? Is it G or G? Kogi? I think Koji. it's Koji. But I'm not 100% sure. 
um, I think it's Koji as well, his Korean barbecue truck, um, that his, a fortune teller had told his mom years before not to worry about her son, that he'd be fine, that he'll be in a parking lot surrounded by people at like a party, smiling always. He'll be fine. Don't worry. And that he was, and that's like where it ends. Um, and I kind of, I wish he had gone a little bit more into that. Like, obviously I know what happened with the food truck and basically starting that but like I just would have loved to just hear about what it was like to experience that yeah I agree although when did this come 2013 so this would have been like right before he started working on chef and things like that and yeah um again I think that he was like here's the food stuff I want to tell and either people were like can you give more details and he was like no I don't remember or he was like (laughs) this is all you get and then they were like, all right, yeah. add recipes in. Yeah. I did like this. Then after that one, we get the uh, vegetables yes. one, two, three chapter. And that his description of is it, these are the beads, the B-sides. A little section I wanted to put in for those days when you want to cook just enough for you and maybe a friend, mm-hmm. but don't want to go all the way. I was like, yes, I appreciate that. Like, I want to try his Brussels sprouts yes. with kimchi. Like, I want to try that. I don't, I don't know that I really like kimchi. I do. If you've had and I, like he makes me want to yeah. like just find it and try it until I find one that I like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like store bought kimchi. And I oh, crap. Well, I'm not making. Well, that's the it, thing so is I'm like I'm never brought in this. It. But there are definitely yeah. some restaurants in New York where like I eat bowls and bowls of kimchi. Mm, okay. So I just have to find the good yes. stuff. And it can be spicy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like uh, go gochujang. Yes. I do like we got um, so the day that we were supposed to move that Thursday when they didn't come, um, we ended up like hand moving like a couple of boxes ourselves. And then we went to eat at this place near near our new near our current apartment that has the stone pot bibimbap, mm-hmm. which like during the pandemic, we ordered it. But obviously it doesn't come in that stone pot. And George loves that. He loves how the rice gets all crispy on it and it gets your egg and. So we ordered that and I just kept pouring, like, I realized maybe the last couple of times that we had ordered at home, I was like, this is spicy. <laughs> like the gochujang, like, it's yeah. spicy, but I like it. Like we've talked, he and I have talked about how it's like some people want things that are hot just because they're mm-hmm. hot. And that's, I don't like that. I like flavor. Yes. And that's what that is. It's hot, but it's yes. flavor. And I don't think it's like too, too hot. So I just kept putting a bunch in yeah. there. Oh, we got the stone pot. It was so good. I also <laughs> so don't good. understand people that, like, want to burn their tongue for the sake of burning their tongue. Right. Because how am I supposed to taste exactly. anything after that? Exactly. I like my food to have Same. flavor, not Same. just hot. Hot is not a we flavor. We did um, the, the pepper-flavored jelly beans recently, and I was like, no, mm-hmm. this is everything that I hate about peppers. I, I don't know what that uh, is. It's like... Jalapeno and ghost pepper and oh. sriracha flavored nope. and it it was awful. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, there is a moment in Top Chef eighteen mm-hmm. where okay one she's like I'm gonna put some I'm gonna just crack some pepper over it or something and he goes no no no, no I don't want it to be too spicy and this woman is a black woman and she looks at one of the um, Mexican cooks I believe and it's just like. Like, her face is just like, did you hear what this white man just said? Was <laughs> And I died. I was like, okay, dude. Okay. Yeah, that, 
What do you eat exactly. at home? <laughs> like white rice <laughs> with nothing on it. <laughs> um, I also really like the rules section of like building mm-hmm. your kitchen essentially and mm-hmm. um, things to have in it. And also the like cultural shit. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's not as... Uh, He's still very, very himself. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I will be excited to cook something from here. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we can do it between the next episodes. Yeah. I don't know what's the first, (laughs) but like, actually, um, we finally found food and wine while we were out the magazine. So we grabbed one and I was like, all right, I was thinking of subscribing for it of it subscribing Mm -hmm. to it and i was like if we do we should like pick one each of us should maybe pick a recipe and make so we make two things from that month's thing and so as i was telling him about recipes as i was reading this i was like yeah we should we should pick something from this yeah my roommate (laughs) um quit his night job so and i'm like Mm -hmm. all right i think we have both this like and and i don't know if it was just me waiting for him to find another one or whatever but i was the other day i was like Mm -hmm. okay you're officially not going back to a night job. I'm going to start cooking again. I don't like cooking just for myself. <laughs> I also just got an air fryer yeah. for $30. Oh. So. Who was telling me what they like in the air fryer? Potatoes. Sweet potatoes, I think Lauren was Everything saying. Everything I've heard is that potatoes heat up really well in an air fryer. So mm-hmm. I want to read about it. I want to, like, do some Googling and stuff before I touch it. But mm-hmm. it was Best Buy had it on sale, like, $100 off. And then I had... Um, gift cards or something to it. And so nice. yeah, it was less than $30 and I had it shipped. So it's awesome. Massive. So nice. Uh, all right. Um, so before we talk about what we're going to read next, what are you going to read mm-hmm. between podcasts? Well, today I watched Fear Street yeah. part one, 1991 uh, or 94? 94. 94. Thank you. Which um, is also part one. And yeah, <laughs> not like, and just because since you haven't watched it, I don't want to give too much away, but just like the books. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I know I'm going to want to reread these like two mm-hmm. minutes in. I sent Megan and Ollie a message like this is it. I know this is going to happen. So I'm going to be rereading four Fear Street books because they're fairly okay. small. And I decided to go with the wrong number one and okay. two and then the best friend part one and then nice. two. So that's what I'll be reading nice. next. And then. If there's anything else, I, you know, I, I did find out. So, okay, here's, I'm going to have a problem. Okay. There is a, a wonderful bookstore. Oh, no. Like, right around oh, no. the corner from where I live now. <laughs> and they have a used book section. So I might just go check just to see. I don't know how big yeah. that section is. Um, but, like, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's going to be a I problem. I was just, I just renewed my lease on this apartment after yep. going back and forth with the uh, management office. And Josh was mm-hmm. like, I'm glad you've accumulated so many more books. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I bought um, three of the like, I don't know, the, the Billy yeah. bookcases from Ikea, like those smaller uh-huh. ones. And so I was like, oh, am I going to fill these? I've got like right now with my comics and my to be read shelf mm-hmm. on there. I've basically got one shelf oh, left no. so, before I'm going to need to start tucking books yeah. on top. Yeah. Which I'm not above doing. I just really love how it looks without that. Yeah, like I'm that right now. at a point now where I'm um, debating buying another one, but I don't know where to put it. Yeah. So I think I'm going to Ah, okay. Yeah. 
and that's actually just my fiction oh my because I still have the t- like a tall five yeah. shelf that has like nonfiction because I like my fiction by author mm-hmm. and then nonfiction at <laughs> George and I combined. I remember I was talking to my boss and she said that when her and her husband combined and they moved, he just threw everything on the shelf and it wasn't how she organizes. Like especially her to be read right. stuff was kept separate and then she had to like try to find stuff. And I was like, <gasps> we have not had that conversation about what we're going to oh, do no. with our books. So when we talked about it, I asked George how he organizes, and he was kind of like, I I don't. So if you want to, I was yes. like, yes. <laughs> like, full reign. So the nonfiction is by subject, gotcha. then by author. So that's a separate shelf. Yeah, I am similar to George in that um, my comics are all organized alphabetically by title. Or, like, like all my Archies are together. And okay. then yes. all yep. my book of the month books that have the logo on them are on a shelf, Mm -hmm. but they're not organized in any way. They're just on the shelf as I get them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, I think four of them have been lent out. Actually, my best friend was like, you have a lot of books from this publisher. And I was like, yep, you're not wrong. (laughs) As I just threw um, Project Hail Mary at him. So Mm -hmm. uh, he has my um, memorial, the Brian Washington book, too. Okay, yeah. And then everything else is, there's kind of a loose, like, a lot of my horrors together, a lot of my YAs together. But mm. also, as I buy things, they just kind of end up on shelves. And I've only had gotcha. one situation where I was like, I know I bought this book, and I can't find it. And I got to the point where okay. I looked at every single bookshelf. There's mm-hmm. two, four, five, six of them. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find it. And I was like, Okay. Because they were in the used bookstore for $3 each. So I was like, all right, fine. Oh, screw okay. it. I'm just going to go buy them. If I end up having doubles of it, no big deal. It's Mira Grant. So be it. I will give them to someone else. Um, yeah. I somehow, we, I, I had like a doubles of Bitch Planet for some reason. Interesting. And of a couple other things. I don't know how I ended up with, and then there was one Star Wars book that I had that George okay. already had. So his was hardcover. So I was like, okay, we keep nice. yours. Um, so there's, those are getting donated, but. I was actually surprised. Like, I don't know how I ended up with uh, with doubles of that. <laughs> yeah. um, so for me, I think I could buy another shelf though. Well, I don't need it, but like the way I, the the three shelves are like this in facing the living room, and then to their back are the are the dressers okay. that are dividing our bedroom and the living room, and then like along because the walls over here on the left and then on the right there's another little bookshelf that just has puzzles on it i could buy another billy bookcase and do my fiction wrapping around Ooh, that would be cool if i need yeah. to i'm not there yet but it is i've i've yeah. already was like oh i could do that I, just, I don't know where i'd put the puzzles but we'll figure yeah. it out when we yeah. get there <laughs> um yeah. so i am reading up all night 13 stories okay. between sunset and sunrise um, it okay. is a book that I was, the um, publishing company reached out and asked if I would be part of the book tour. Uh, okay. So it comes out July 13th. And I got to look again to see what day uh, I'm due to do my stuff by. But I started it um, my the morning of treatment, mm-hmm. um, which it like, I am always so ambitious about treatment. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, it's me in a chair for six hours, essentially. Um, and they've gone from giving me Benadryl pills, which take about 30 minutes mm-hmm. to hit my system and don't always knock me out, but do make me drowsy. Yeah. To putting it in my IV. Five oh, minutes. Which five minutes. It's basically long enough faster. for me to turn on the TV, find something, lean back. 
it's usually charmed. Get comfy. And then I'm out for like <laughs> oh, yes. at least four hours. Oh. I don't know how I caught an episode of Charmed and like got hooked. It was the one where you find out or when Chris goes back to the future. Oh, yeah. and I think that's when you find out why it is evil. But yes. like the, 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 the Hollywells still don't know. And I was just like, oh, I miss Charmed. It's such a weird <laughs> show. I actually really like the reboot and need to get caught up on that, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. It's got a ton of authors that I really like. Mm-hmm. The very first one has a murder mystery. So I'm like, all right, I'm here for this. Perfect. Um. And yeah, um, it'll be light reading compared to what we're doing next. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, what is our next topic again? I know the book. I'm just the next topic is to read a work of investigative nonfiction by an author of okay. color. And for that, we have decided on Seven Fallen Feathers. Racism, Death, and Hard Truths in a Northern City by Tanya uh, Talaga. And this is because it is essentially what's going on in Canada right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it is going to be... um, I didn't know anything about these schools and haven't dived into it much, but uh, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, that's probably where I wanted to do this one um, because of the news coming out about what's going on in Canada. I was just like, what the fuck is happening up yeah. there? Um, and what has happened? And that this one is a, is like specifically lurking at certain murders of young indigenous children of a certain time frame and just in general mm-hmm. Canada's treatment of them. So I was like, yeah, let's. Uh, this is very topical. Let's learn some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be a little bit of a heavier episode next time, but it'll be a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Um, yeah, and we're balancing out yeah. it out on our own with our not for JBC reads. Yes. <laughs> um, we will likely do a bonus episode of about the Fear Street movies once they're all done. So probably so August. Excited. But yeah, this is it's too much of like our personality, brands, whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> to not mm-hmm. talk about them. So yep. Uh, so yeah. Uh, anything you want to plug before? we leave uh nothing right now how about you nope about the same i think i have some stuff coming up (laughs) later this month but uh i'll talk about it then awesome um well since we don't really have anything to plug it is a good week to go check out um the podcast on our network certain pov um we have added another book podcast which is exciting Mm -hmm. so um if you are interested in just another book podcast which you know i won't tell you how many i read or how many i listened to (laughs) at my prime but it was a lot uh you can actually go check out books that burn and they just posted an episode on black sun which we did earlier this year so again excellent book go listen about it again (laughs) um agreed as for us you can find us at jbc on social media, uh, we will be back in two weeks to discuss oh, Canada. <laughs> yep. It's going to be heavy, but informative. Yeah. So. Uh, until then, please keep supporting your local libraries. Hopefully they're open. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.